Hello, friends, and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. Since we last spoke, it's been extremely eventful or not eventful. Um, it's been a lot of emotion. It's been very sad. Um, and it's certainly been historic, whatever you make of it all. I'm Mark Heath. Back with me, my two favourite kings, Andy the Doctor uh, Warren and Stuart. Andy the Doctor Warren? What am I what? doing? <laughs> I'm tired, boys. I'm tired and emotional. It's Andy Hutch Hogan Warren and Stuart the Doctor Watson. Um, absolute shambles. Not sure where to start the show today. Let's start by asking you, Andy, how you are. A newly qualified doctor. Is, um, <laughs> what would you be sure. a doctor of if you were a doctor? Thugonomics. <laughs> uh, uh, a doctor or a doctor of... Um... The doctor of chill. The chill doctor. Come into the chill surgery. I, I prescribe you a chill pill. Yeah, we'll go with that. Available on prescription via Dr. Andy Warren. Um, what are you are a doctor. Uh, mm. if, you, if you were a wrestler, he's, what would your he's wrestler He's not be? a doctor. He's not a doctor. He's not a qualified doctor. I'm not having it. I've anointed him a doctor. I think I've got that power. Like the if doctor of the Simpsons. <laughs> if you were a wrestler like Hutch Hogan, what would your wrestling name be, Stewie? Uh, oh, it'd be the doctor, wouldn't it? The doctor. Uh, what would your What would your finishing I'd prescribe move be? pain? <laughs> the pain killer could be your finishing move. I have I've no idea why we're talking about this. I did. I was not expecting to start the pod in this manner today because it's been there's been quite a lot happening since we last spoke. Um, and friends, we have to kind of talk about before we get to the game. Obviously, from last night, Ipswich Town beat Bristol Rovers in the return to football. 2-0, remain top of the table, eight games unbeaten now, sets up a huge three-game run, which obviously we're going to discuss later on. Um, we'd better talk about what's happened since, or rather what, what's not happened since we last spoke. Obviously, the game was called off on Saturday following the death of the Queen. Um, and also, towards the end of, of the pod last Thursday, we got some some really sad news about Marcus Stewart being diagnosed with, with motor neurone disease. Um and that obviously leads into the emotion around the game last night. So, Hutchie, we're not going to talk about the Queen, but Marcus Stewart is, is something that, that will mean something to everyone who follows Ipswich Town. You know him really well. You obviously went and, and filmed a, a bit with him for your very, very good video around the, the 2000 anniversary. Um, such sad news. Yeah, that, that, I think that's hit hit a lot of, of people really hard, hasn't it? Whether Whether you knew... Marcus personally or, or not I got to know him a little bit which is which has been really nice over the last few years but yeah and anybody that watched him play such an important role in such a brilliant period of Ipswich Town's I was going to say recent history I don't know if it is recent anymore but what what a player and 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 to hear such sad news um about his health is is really tough really tough for for a lot of people because um there's an awful lot of love for Marcus Stewart at Ipswich, Ipswich Town, and that that was kind of exhibited last night. Mm, mm. Before we get on to that, obviously Kieran McKenna spoke about it on on Monday, saying the club will do whatever they can support him. Kieran did his pro license, I think he said with Marcus, and said what a great guy he is. Stewie, when, when we were talking about it, um, you mentioned an idea of bringing back the gloves to sell for to make money for the, the charity for motor neurone disease research. Is that was that your own idea? Where would you seen that? Where would that come from? No, I think no, that's brilliant. no, no. I saw it pop up on Twitter from uh, yeah. from a supporter. Um, apologies, I can't rem- can't give them a name check because I can't remember. But someone just said 
bring these back. Um, mm. The Marcus Stewart gloves, the, the Ipswich branded ones that were his trademark. We're coming into the, the winter period now. All, all, all profits go to, all proceeds go to uh, motor neuron disease charity, which obviously mm. Marcus is, again, the mark of the man immediately, you know, announced his uh, diagnosis and, and his focus now is on, on raising money for the, uh, for the charity. But um yeah, an emotional night last night, wasn't it? The players warming up with the Stuart Levin shirts on, the minutes applause and the spontaneous um, chance of walking in a Stuart Wonderland. It was, um, I don't really know what to say about it. I'm still getting my head around around the news, to be honest. It's a disease mm. that's kind of been in, in the news uh, in, in recent years with some high-profile people uh, kind of going through it. And um Marcus, is, as Andy says, is, is such a top man. He's one of the most affable, amiable people that you'll come across. And I think we've spoken here on the pod about when he turns up to do his co-coms and he's got tubs of, of quality streets to sort of dish out amongst the press. I remember in my very early days of covering Ipswich and scratching around for for stories to fill quiet, quiet sort of news days. And Marcus Stewart would always answer the phone. Yeah, how are you? No problem, well, you know. And that's not that's not true of every former Ipswich player. I tell you, some would some would not answer the call. Some would say, mm. "Oh, I've got nothing to say." Marcus, top man, always. Yeah, yeah. What do you want me to say? No problem. I'll I'll do it. He's um he's a top top man, and it's um yeah, just just heartbreaking news, isn't it? And what what can we say other than you know we wish him the best and, and send him our love, and that's all mm. we can all do, really. Mm. And that obviously then segues into the game last night. A game in which there was a huge amount of emotion around Andy. Obviously, the Marcus Stewart news, um, the death of the Queen, um, the first night under lights of the, of the league season at Ipswich Town. Um, a game, first game back since all that sad news happened. Uh, before we go on to talking about the game, what was it actually like in there? Because a lot of people who's in this pod will have been there, and a lot of people won't have been there. So, can you kind of put into words what it was like? There was a minute silence. There was a national anthem. There was the, the minutes applause, obviously, for Marcus Stewart as well. It, it must have been a, a fairly emotionally charged evening. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was kind of a... I, I arrive at the ground kind of a lot earlier than a lot of fans might, but it was noticeably that that bit more quiet, just mm. just a bit quiet. All the music was toned toned down. I think the the club kind of got the, got the mood of that just right um, in terms of still making sure it felt like a, a football match. It wasn't just silence pre-match there was music on and stuff but the the playlist was kind of doctored significantly mm. so that the the music was just that that little notch down there was no music played when the teams walked out of the tunnel just just some some room left for applause and stuff like that and then then yeah um minute silence really really well observed um queen's image up on the on the big screen and round on the electronic scoreboards uh mm. first time a lot of people will have sung "God Save the King" in a in a national anthem setting, which which was kind of a memorable thing in it itself. And then for for me, that the real emotion kind of felt like it came out in the in the Marcus Stewart um, moments. Um, mm. For many, I'm sure would feel that way as well in the eleventh minute um, on eleven minutes, which was his shirt number, of course. And then a few more spontaneous shouts of that through of, of his. His chant, uh, which used to ring out every single week around Portman Road, but um, twenty years ago, but made a, a welcome return on this night uh, with with some nice banners in the in the north stand as well from from the Blue Action lads. So, yeah, um, all of that emotion kind of all wrapped up 
into one event, which thankfully also saw saw Town come away with three points as well. Mm. Yeah, good segue. Just before we move on, I really like the, the programme that Town put out as well, the kind of commemorative memorial programme, if you like, um, which there we go. So it's all blacked out with just the badges on the front and then the back is the, yeah, the, the Queen's crest, which is I thought a really nice touch. Um, but in terms of the game, obviously it was going to be a difficult fixture for, for both sides, a lot of emotion around it, not playing at the weekend, coming back into a game like this. Um, and Town negotiated it pretty well, come away with a 2-0 win, Stewie. Um, you've, you've referred before on this podcast and indeed in your writing to being comfortable and not really being comfortable with that feeling around watching it switch down. But um, what did you make of it last night? Yeah, it wasn't comfortable from start to finish. There was one <clears> little wobble either side of, of half time. But that aside, this was another thoroughly professional three points in the back from Ipswich Town. Um, flying start out the box, tick. Got, the, got that crucial first goal. Midway through the first half, tick really well worked as, as well. Um, and then, as I say, there was this little moment either side of half time where I, I don't know what it was, whether it was just the tempo drop, the, the focus dropped a little bit. Um, Bristol Rovers just got to grips with things that little bit more. One or two let offs either side of half time. Walton was called upon a couple of times. Um, but once, once that killer second goal came, from well, yeah, two nil up after fifty five minutes, and that was never in doubt. Uh, you mm. know that was just they got have so much control of the football now. Their game management is so much better, and uh, yeah, another, another clean sheet, another three points, and um, on on to the next one. Superb, Hutchie. What did you make of it all? Watching from on high, it was really just really enjoyable. They're 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 a really good team. They're mm. they're they and they are a team. It's it. The spine of it is is solid. There's some a few small moving parts in there, but they they're all they're all solid. Um, it's just functioning really nicely. Um, and yeah, there were there were a couple of wobbles, but this this is this is third division football. There's not there's not such a thing as pure dominance from minute one to minute minute ninety. There's gonna be there's gonna be moments where the opposition have have a bit of an ascendancy and and especially with the tempo that town came out with there was always going to be a bit of a lull in that first half and but they got out of it without conceding it helps having the best goalkeeper in the league who who his game was exceptionally quiet until it wasn't um mm. but they dealt with everything one slight bit of luck in that the one the one that kind of rattled down off off the bar that that had beaten Walton if that had if that had snuck an inch or two the other way that would have that would have gone in and it had been one one but everything else they were in control of Walton made the saves he needed to make um, Wolfenden had a, a couple of wobbles in the game but I I thought he played really really well and recovered from those Burgess played well before going off with a a facial injury and they all played well um, largely so. A really good team, functioning as a team, and um, showing that there is some, hopefully some solid foundations to what looks to be a hopefully a real promotion challenge this time. Mm. Yeah, one of those solidest—that's not a word—foundations, most sturdy foundations, is Connor Chaplin at the moment, Stu. Um, now you put online this morning, your, your Stu says. I've got to say, I think it's one of my favourite ones you've done. Beautifully crafted, quoting Shankly, Saki speaking French, and also 
on the subject of Connor Chaplin, you refer to him as a muscle hamster. Now, I vaguely remember we've, we've talked about this before on the pod, but by way of segueing into a chat about Connor Chaplin, how good he is, what on earth is a muscle hamster? Someone who's smaller of proportion, but is is very strong. And I think, um, I didn't realise how Connor Chaplin I saw from the, the Accrington pictures, flexing his muscles in celebration. He's um, he's a solid boy. And I think Kira McKenna sort of joked about... Um, you know, he may be he may be short in height, but you'll you'll do well to to physically wrestle those uh, contentious goals off of him because he's he's a strong boy. So, I thought muscle hamster. I don't think I'm the first person to invent that. I think uh, I did Google it last night because as I, as, I, as I wrote it, because I thought I've got this phrase in my head from somewhere. I think there's someone in American sport. I thought you you boys would know about that. Is that Andy? Looks like he's about to nod. Yeah, it's Doug Doug Martin, who's a former running back of the Buccaneers, was. Uh, Probably the original muscle hamster, I would say. The original Very muscle hamster. Similar, similar stature to Chaplin. Superb. Um, you described him, just to give the full quote for people who've not read it yet, a muscle hamster with Duracell bunny energy and ice-cool finishing ability. Hutchie, in the ratings, you described him as an attacking live wire who's vital to Ipswich Town while making him man of the match. Uh, he didn't start at Accrington, came on and scored Two goals, obviously, back in the in the starting lineup last night. He's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet, isn't he? Surely going forward, he should be. We we spoke about this last time. Har- hmm. Harness and Chaplin are the two for me. They're, they're, they're tone setters. Um, and 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 Chaplin last night, I thought was the man, one of a few, but setting the tone for Ipswich in that first half an hour. It, he's all about tempo. I don't think he plays football without tempo. Um, but they're all doing it, and. Uh, he, it, you get him the ball in the position where he scored last night, somewhere between the D and the and the penalty spot, and more often than not, he's going to find the net. He had, he had a couple more chances last night. I don't know how Bristol Rovers allowed him to essentially trap a ball from a, a from a corner uh, and get a shot off, but he, he's always dangerous, always mm. looking for the goal. He's quite direct in what in what he does, um, but he's always a threat and. Um, him and him and Harness, um, a good old good old unit in there. Bristol Rovers surprised me because I looked at their team when it came out, and they dropped a couple of forward players from their last game. And I was looking at the comments from the Bristol Rovers fans saying, "Can't really work out what this lineup is. Looks like we've got two left backs on the pitch." And I was thinking, "Oh, this could be Joey Barton coming to Portman Road to frustrate the crowd and park the bus." and is it going to be one of those nights? But they actually came to play football and a little bit sort of suicidally, really, because I think uh, really it was only one holding midfielder there in that first half. It looked like a a wrestled with what their system was, but in the end I came to the conclusion it was a kind of a 4-1-4-1. And having that sort of one holding midfielder trying to look, look after both Chaplin and Harness in those pockets of space, left them in a world of trouble. And that first half an hour, 35 minutes, Ipswich could have blown them away. They was, um, that was some of the best football that I've seen an Ipswich Town team play for a long, long time. Hmm. How how do you deal with that, though? That if you... It, it... If you're playing that formation, you've got you've got Ladapo who played well last night. He's dragging the centre backs around. You've got Chaplin and Harness, like you've just said, trying to be marshaled by one holding midfielder. 
Then you've got Morsi, who's breaking forward from central midfield and dragging others back with them. And, and that, that just leaves effort again, just leaves Evans in so much space to, to get on the ball and, and use it cleverly. They, they, they just seem to be able to, to create an extra man in, 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 ver- in various different scenarios, Ipswich. I, I think that the kind of the flexible back line has, has done that in some games. Um, not so much this one. This was this was more a mid a midfield and attacking midfield thing. But they just seem to, when they're playing well, they just seem to have an extra man. They, and that's a system thing, and that's come from the manager um, mm. working that, and that and that's a real real advantage to them. Mm. Can we talk about the depot? Because again, obviously he's, he's he's finished without a goal. But Kieran McKenna said after the game, he, he thinks it was the best game he's played under him so far. Would you agree with that, Stewie? Yeah. Um... <clears throat> didn't score, didn't have loads of touches of the ball. I had a look at some of the stats this morning. I don't know how accurate these are, but there was a suggestion that he only had 16 touches of the ball. But I don't I don't read anything into those stats because I thought he played really effectively for this team and, and, and created that space for Chaplin and Harness to work. He was a willing runner in behind throughout, ran the channels. It was his it just set the tone basically from from the kickoff when um Madapo uh, flicked, a, flicked a ball on that led to Davis getting fouled, which led to the free kick that Wolfenden mm. um, headed against the bar or the goalkeeper turned on, onto the bar. Um, it was um, Freddie that laid the ball off for, for Lee Evans' um, killer second goal. Um, we've talked about him being a facilitator in this team and I, and I thought he, he was that last night. Mm. Hutchie, anything anything else to add around the game? Your thoughts therein? We have to. I suppose I should also ask you in terms of strikers. Gasana Hadmi got his first proper minutes under his belt last night. What did you make of him the first time we've seen him? Really, he was up for it. I think it's yeah. pretty, pretty clear that he was up to try and try and make a bit of an impression. Sometimes a bit a bit scraggly in what he was he was doing. It got a bit loose from, but it, the effort was there. He had one where he met that that ball from Danasian at the near post. Um, been great if he could have got off the mark, but he. Uh, he'll have bigger chances to make an impression than that. Um, I know we've said it before, um, but I, I want to say again, just how, just how much they've upgraded at left back. Uh, and we saw it from both players, both mm. options last night. They're, they're a world away from where they have been previously in that position with, with Leif Davis and Greg Lee. Um, Leif Davis was, I thought played in that first half was he was the spare man at times. They were, they were managing to, to find him and use him as a real attacking weapon down the left. Um, and then uh, after the hour mark, Greg Lee came on and, um, and did what, did what he does as well with the powerhouse solidity, but also involved getting forward as well. So a, a position of weakness has been turned into a position of strength um, in the transfer market. And that's uh that's a big part of what they're doing right now. Hmm. Can you, you obviously talk there about the way town play and when they're on it, they look like they've almost got an extra man on the field. Can you talk a little bit about how that's changed, what we've seen under McKenna? Because uh, Marcus Harness on Monday was talking about how he's learning so much since he's come to town. He says, I used to know what good football felt like, but I didn't really know why it happened almost. Um, and now I've, I'm getting all that kind of theory into my head and I can see why it works and why we're doing what we're doing. So could you put into words, Stewie or Andy, one of you, how much has changed in terms of the way town play since McKenna's come in? 
Uh, I probably can't put that into words because if I could, then I I would I would be a football manager and not <laughs> <laughs> not a humble. Uh, but you watch it. looking you from watch the outside it. in. Yeah. Um, I think tactics are important. I think ultimately good players make better teams, but you still have to be. They've upgraded personnel, but they've also, mm. you know, you still, we've seen how many times do you see over the years good good teams? I mean, Man United, I guess, have been a case in point in recent times that you can have good players on paper, but but not get that team chemistry and mm. and then un, underachieve. But um, yeah, so twofold, they've got they've got good players and they've got them sort of in, in a system that's working. I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and see some of these, uh, these school sessions that McKenna's putting on, both on the training pitch and in in the classroom but um i think andy summed it up quite nicely they always seem to find a way to to find that spare man there's always going to be a situation on the pitch and they're quite quite cute at kind of working out how to manipulate the space on the pitch i think that's <clears throat> where lee evans comes into his own because he is someone that can shift the ball 40 mm. 50 yards in a blink of an eye and go and find that go and find that space um, wherever it may be on the pitch so um yeah, very enjoyable to watch at the moment. I think um, lots of smiles on the faces of Ipswich Town fans. It's um, it's no longer a chore to get yourself down to Portman Road, that's for sure. Certainly not. I mean, that's a common theme, isn't it? We've heard common kind of words being used by players so far this season when, when you speak to them. Learning is, is in there a lot. They're learning a lot. Details and process, I would say, are three of the, the words that come out the most. Um, in terms of kind of negatives from last night, Andy, I, I guess we have to talk about Mr. Burgess, who has come into the team, done well, uh, and now it looks like he may have suffered quite a nasty facial injury. Yeah, he was he was off to hospital after the game. He, um, in, in classic Cameron Burgess fashion, I guess, picked up a, a what could be a facial fracture while executing a, a really nicely timed heavy tackle, um, heading towards the sidelines. Took a real real clump to the face from from the Bristol Rovers player on the way through. And um, yeah, it, hopefully it's not so bad. Um, you can play through through uh, facial fractures, uh, depending on how bad they are. I think he'd look great in the Phantom of the Opera mask. Centre-backs can pull them off, can't they? Um, but you'd have to say that if there is a fracture there, he's probably a doubt for, for the weekend. Mate, I don't know if you'd necessarily play it play that like fresh from fracturing your face um but it's similar hopefully not as bad but similar to similar to Caden Jackson's injury back in February March time just at a cruel time on the back Mm. of he's got in the team he's ahead of um Edmondson and and Keogh two good players we know that but he's had two really good games in the league anyway at Accrington He, he was dominant there and it was playing well last night until the injury happened so uh Tough, tough for him, but for Ipswich, as with every area of the squad, really at the moment, it, it it's an area where they've got they've got some strength. So there's there's two two obvious candidates to come in there. Interesting to see which one they they go for. I'm sure if if anyone was going to play with a, a broken cheekbone, Cameron Burgess would be right up there. I'm not sure in terms of how much his game is based on heading the ball, though. That's something you want to be doing with a with a fractured cheekbone. I don't know. Um, so on that note around. Burgess and Keogh and Edmondson, neither of those latter two were on the bench last night. So Dominic Ball came on. How did how did he look playing at the back? Really good, considering his his lack of game time. Um, not a position he's probably been 
recruited to play or may necessarily have worked on too much in training, but um, his experience showed. I thought he just read the game really well. The amount of times he was there just to, to sweep up, made it within minutes of being on the pitch. He made quite a big block inside inside the box. Um, I can see why McKenna went uh, without either of those two sort of recognised centre-halves on the bench because Dominic Ball can do it. Greg Lee can play there as well. Um, he's nodding away. Um, and that just gave him an extra attacking option on the bench in, in Kyle Edwards. And it could have been, we talked about, would it be one of those days where the team parks the bus and they're stubborn with the five subs thing? He, he has the uh, you know he has the option to bring on several attacking players. So um, that, that worked out fine in the end. I don't think that's necessarily... Now, going into the, the next game, Dominic Ball wouldn't be the first one that you turn to for centre-half, but it, it was fine last night. Um, I think it will now be a case of whether it's, it's Keogh or Edmondson uh, heading to Hillsborough on Saturday. That, that will be very interesting. Any other notes from the game, Hutchie, before we move on to other stuff? Anything else you want to highlight? Anything you liked? Anything you didn't like? Um, I don't think Christian Walton should have been allowed to wear his green goalkeeping kit. <laughs> clash Why? it clash clashed with Bristol Rovers away kit. Okay. Confuse confused me. But um this is sort that's not a big deal, is it? That's uh <laughs> that that's probably me saying I've got no other notes from the game. By way of moving on, I just want to read the stats at the end of Stewie's piece because I feel like I'm I'm gonna do this until they they lose. McKenna's win rate as blues boss, fifty five percent, played thirty three, one eighteen. Drawn 10, lost 5. They've kept 19 clean sheets across 33 games. Two more than the number of goals they've conceded. And obviously, in, in terms of start, they're top of the league after eight games. Still unbeaten. And there is still a long way to go. But it's it's feeling, feeling pretty good about things at the moment, boys. Um, there are three now huge games coming up. Uh, before we get to that, we have to talk about international call-ups because that may put a spanner in the works for one of them. Um, Wes Burns called up by Wales this morning. Greg Lee called up by Jamaica yesterday. And I believe if there's one more player called up for international duty, they could ask for that Plymouth trip, Hutchie, on Sunday, live on Sky, to be called off. Yeah, it's uh, hard to see where that... I'm not sure where that call-up's going to come from. It, it looks to me like a, a kind of in-from-nowhere in Marcus Harness... Ireland call up is the most likely route that we obviously know that Sam Morsi's he, he's in the mix for for Egypt but hasn't been making those those final those final final squads um and Panucci cannot come up Kamara's injured and so won't won't be going away with Guinea-Bissau so um can't see a third one I wouldn't have thought but um it's a it's an interesting point that we're getting towards isn't it I've I, do you think Lee Evans was under consideration for a Wales call? It's got to be. He's got to have at least been at least been discussed. I'd, I'd imagine if it, if they're watching, mm. he didn't make the squad clearly. But if they're they're clearly watching Ipswich because that they've they've called up Wes Burns. So I, I would be surprised if if Lee Evans wasn't at least being at least being discussed um, by Wales. If he keeps playing like this, you never you never know. Mm. A different type of player, but. Different type of midfielder, but Johnny Williams keeps getting in squads, and he's he's playing a division below. I know he's kind of part of the furniture with with Wales, and uh, you know is a, is a good character to have about as well. But like you say, if they if they've been watching Burns, 
over the last little while, then you'd, you'd think they'd be uh, paying attention to Evans as well, but not on this occasion. McKenna said as much after the game, didn't he, last night? He said if there are two better midfielders in Wales and Egypt, they must be doing pretty well. So there you go. Um, if if there was a third call-up, boys, and we're back to this old conversation about calling games off and all momentum, um, I personally, I wouldn't. I, w- I would want to play that game on on Sunday at Plymouth. Well, if we're talking about where the third call-up comes from, hmm. um, I think Morsi, if it's Morsi, and he is desperate to, to be in that Egypt squad, hmm. by the way, that means the world to him to represent Egypt. And he's not been in the squad since the 2018 World Cup. He, he makes the long list normally and then, and then gets cut. But the picture has changed for them post-African nations, a change of manager, uh, El Nenny. Arsenal is injured for a little while, so I just wonder if the door is ajar there for him. But um, if it's if it is Morsi, I don't think you can play without your skipper. Who's I know we talk about the strength and depth and everything like that. I don't think you can go to Plymouth, who have started the season really well, mm. a tough away game, and be arrogant enough to say we play no. this fixture without without Sam Morsi. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's. Could Ipswich cope without Sam Morsi in a game? Yes, they could. But should they be actively making that decision themselves? Um, no, that that is quite arrogant. So I don't think they'd do that. Similar with, I mean, is Harness an outside chance for for Ireland? He was one that sort of declared for them in twenty nineteen. I think he's made squads, but never never made his debut. It's been a little while since um, he's had a call. But again, his form at the start of the season, the goals he's scoring. It's not not impossible there for them. He probably is another one that you kind of say, well, how can you say we we opt to play even though someone who's who's been had such an influence on the team is is not available. Um, Kamara's not in the in the picture here, as Andy said. Hadmi is someone that's played for Morocco under twenty ones, but he's no longer eligible for them, and and he's not been called up by their their senior squad. Um, Tyrese John Jules has played for, for England under 21s before. I think he is still eligible. Um, so there's now an, an outside chance for him there as well. He'd be one that you might go, if it was John Jules, for instance, you'd go, okay, maybe, maybe we we carry on because we've we've got other options in that attacking unit. But if it's Morsi or Harness, <clears throat> I think reluctantly, as much as I hate international breaks, and that's just I know fans have have probably paid for their hotels, paid for their transport, making a weekend of it uh, in Devon. They've already been messed about once with the sky and the early kickoff and everything. Um, if it's more to your harness, uh, I think it, you'd have to get it postponed. But that's still a big if at the moment. Mm, fair point on Morsi, Stu. In terms of harness, he was actually asked about that on Monday. Um, <clears throat> so he's not heard from the Republic of Ireland for a long time. So... Uh, I guess that makes it an outside chance that he's going to get called up. He did say, though, that he'd still very much have ambitions in that direction. He was just going to play football and let the rest take care of itself, boys. Um, classic. Uh, so should we talk about the, the three games then, boys, that are coming up? Because they are, by any definition, huge. Huge. The biggest games we've had all season, starting at Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, hopefully. Um, then Plymouth and then Portsmouth at home. Hutchie. Famously, a man who doesn't like hyperbole. These are massive. <laughs> yeah, they're big games, mate. They are. They are big games. I'm looking forward to these. Um, I, I don't. I, it does. We've, we've obviously talked in previous years about 
about Town's record against teams at the top end of the division, and it's been really poor, mm. uh, and it has, and it, and it, and it, especially in those first two Paul Lambert seasons, it was hugely costly to what they were were trying to do. Um, I, 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 I don't fear that. I don't fear it at the moment because it's a team that's just well structured, well built, and is solid um, with some flourish as well. Um, they may well lose one of these three games, but they might, they might lose two of them. But I feel sure we're going to be talking at the other side about a team that's 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 done done what was needed in the games. They've not been completely outplayed. This might mm. be famous fam- famous last words, but I don't I don't go into them feeling this kind of the sense of dread that that you would with a Paul Lambert team against a top six opposition at certain points there um but they could really set a tone now they they could really take this to the next level um in the next couple of weeks um and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what what they can do that's that's the argument for the kind of calm down here boys keep our feet on the ground we've been here before look at the teams which have played so far i think bolton the fifth shrewsbury are eighth and it's barnsley 11th Bristol team, Forest Green 20th, Accrington 21st, MK 22nd and, and Burton bottom. So they could, if you were that way inclined to say, you know, haven't played anyone just yet. And we've been here before and it's, we went, well, Ipswich had kind of beaten what was in front of them, but then came unstuck. There was the stat that kind of got trotted out for ages about how they couldn't beat a, a top six team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it does feel like the game has changed, and it does feel like this is built on far more substance. And Andy's right; you do go into these games now looking forward to them. I'm excited to see how they can match up against these these teams around them. Um, really excited for these next three games because I think these this could really set the tone for for the season ahead. Now, mm. this it's potential for liftoff, isn't it? Hillsborough, Hillsborough is such a good place to watch football as well. For the first one of these, it, if you've got two teams going at it with, with each other at Hillsborough, two good teams, clearly, clearly two good teams going at it at Hillsborough in front of a big crowd, iconic, iconic venue. It, it it's a bit of a a glimpse into what town want to be again. It, these these games should be kind of the every week fair for. For Ipswich, we in the you know we were used to them going to Derby every week, Forest, Sheffield Wednesday mm. up up in the Championship, Middlesbrough, big the bigger grounds, Villa. Um, these are the games. These are the games to kind of show that that's what you are as a football club and a football team. Um, and I think I think it's going to be a really really fun three weeks watching these watching these games. What the results are, I don't know because I'm not. I'm not a psychic, but um, but what what I feel sure of is that that it's going to be a an exciting few exciting few weeks that we're going to learn not necessarily anything new, but also quite a lot at the mm. same time. Mm. They play actually in terms of position in the league, it's in order: Sheffield Wednesday fourth, Plymouth third, Portsmouth second. Obviously, Portsmouth the only other unbeaten side in League One, and, and you mentioned Derby there. Actually, they're falling down the league. They lost they've lost two in a row now, um, so maybe. Signs that Derby won't be able to make much of a challenge this season. Before we get on to talking about Sheffield Wednesday specifically, Stewie, what would what would be a good return from these games? What would you take? Obviously, you take nine points, but what's what's what would after three games have finished? What would you be happy with? 
keep looking at this kind of two points a game tally ticking over mm. quite nicely is is promotion top top two form um Uh, what would I tell? Got to win one of them. Yeah. Would, would four points wouldn't be a disaster. Six points would be very nice indeed. Six or above would would be superb. I think four points would would be okay. Anything less than that would probably be a disappointment. That's pro- probably how I look at it. Hmm. Sheffield Wednesday then, Andy. This weekend, pretty much as big as it gets really in in League One. Um, you've already said a great place to go and watch football. Certainly the biggest test for Ipswich Town so far this season. I was I was looking last night on Twitter after the results and Sheffield Wednesday fans already saying it's basically going to be Bannon and Byers against Morsey and Evans. That's what's going to decide the game. Um, would you go along with that? Um, it's going to play a big part in the game. I don't think it will mm. decide it. It's... Um... I think what will, I, I think Ipswich will be. Will we know Ipswich are solid. They don't concede many goals. Um, they've got a solid base. I feel sure that Ipswich will maintain that. It's whether they, I'm look. What I'm looking forward to seeing is whether they can create those mismatches, those extra men that we were talking talking about earlier. Whether they can do that at Hillsborough. Whether they can mm. get Connor Chaplin in space on the edge of the box. Whether whether Morsi and Evans can break the midfield line and then pop the ball to Har- Harness in the first 20 minutes of last night's game just seemed to have five yards around him all the time. Mm. It, can they do that? Can they get Leif Davis forward and, and threaten and threaten that way. I think that that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I, I know that they've got a very good goalkeeper. I know that Janoi Dinastian is solid. I know, I know that whatever centre-backs they pick are going to be part of a good system. And I know that Morsi and Evans will be a solid midfield base, be, albeit against two really good players in Bannon and George Byers. But um, it's it's whether they can create those mismatches, those overloads and those attacking moments to to kind of be a, be a threat themselves that, that personally I'm looking forward to seeing. I know it's we're sitting here, it's not even it's not even it's just gone ten thirty on Wednesday morning and we're talking about a game that's being played on Saturday. You obviously got the game last night and I appreciate it's difficult to get yourself into a headspace to be talking about Saturday's game. Um but Stewie there's also narrative around ex Ipswich Town players, Sheffield Wednesday, Tariq Backinson, who I understand has become something of a fan favourite. He sat out last night. Darren Moore said he, he needed a rest every chance he'd be back in for Saturday and, and Mark McGuinness at the back has been has been playing well as well. Um, how, how are you feeling about it all going going to Hillsborough? Yeah, David Stockdale in goal, former yep. loan player Dominic Iorfa, yeah, uh, in in their squad as well. So uh, this is a step up in in what Ipswich have, have faced thus far, certainly since Bolton on the opening mm. day. Um, you've mentioned Bannon and Byers in in midfield. Then you look at their their forward options. They've got the same embarrassment of riches that Ipswich Town have. Um, Gregory and, and Smith uh, started up front for them last night. They got Patterson as an option, Windass in behind. They signed Mighton on, on deadline day. Um, the fact that they were able to go and sign Smith and Iikwe from, from Rotherham, you, you go and sign two of the best players from the team that just got automatically promoted from your division, speaks volumes about them. They, for me, were the were the were rightly the favourites going into mm. this season. And um, and I think that is still probably the case at this stage. Um, all that said, they did lose at home to Barnsley recently. So, you know, they're not unbeatable. 
Ipswich can go there with a lot of confidence. Hopefully, it will just be a, a cracking game of football between between two two good teams. Hopefully, it's got to be. They played a four-two-two-two formation last night, which is a, an interesting one. Hutchie, I, I, I'm sorry, I've got to ask you this, but I do have to ask you this because this is going to be the only pod we do this week because of various obviously events that have happened uh, and no game at the weekend. Million pound picks ahead of uh, a prediction for this one. Your bets from Saturday, as good as they were, were, I'm afraid, rendered null and void. Um, so have you had any thoughts? Or if not, have them now for million pound picks. Before I add something to the mix, can I can I roll them all over? All of them. What, to this game? Yeah. Or further down the line. So no, there's more to now. To now. Yeah, to this game. So for Saturday. So that was Morsey to score, eight to one. Yep. Give you that. Yep. Uh Janoy Dinashian to have a whiff of a goal. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. That re- that remains at thirty-three to one. Um, a whiff, yep. different to him scoring, a genuine whiff. Uh, and I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, four or more goals in the game. Ooh. Okay. Um, in this one, well, I can't remember what I gave you on the last one. You gave me. I can't remember either. Um, I think it was fifty. Not- it's yeah, 15. 15. Yes, yeah, 15. This, this to one. however, I'm going to lengthen the odds because this is an entirely different game. I'll give you I'll give you 25 to 1. Okay. On I'll maintain I'll maintain my 50 grand on that and I'll add one yep. to the mix as well. Um Freddie Ladapo loves scoring at Hillsborough. He loves scoring against Sheffield Wednesday. I think he did it twice for Rotherham and in obviously what was a bit of a bit of a derby. Stu, what is it that what is it that Sheffield Wednesday called Rotherham? They've got a toy town. Toy town. <laughs> toy town. He was playing for Toy Town against uh, against Sheffield Wednesday, and he likes doing it. He's uh, he's got a good record, and I think he's going to score for for Ipswich this time. Okay, um, I'll give you Morsey eight to one. He's obviously looked far more likely to score, so I'll, I'll give you I'll give you ten to one on Freddie scoring. I'd love to see him score ten to one. A hundred thousand yeah. pounds then. Ooh, big money. Feel confident. I'm just playing with. I'm playing with. I'm, I've got 1.47 million in the bank. I'm just playing with house money at the moment. I can slosh it around without a care in the world because I've still got my original million. I really hope. I hope that, that Freddie scores, but I also hope we're talking about Janoid Dinassian having a whiff of a goal. Well, yeah, week. that we could be. We we might have this. That might have to be like a five minute debate over whether, <laughs> whether that contentious comes, whether that... whiff panel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You two, I'll point you two to the contentious whiff panel. You you two are the founding members of that. So I'll uh, yeah. hopefully, maybe that can become another Morsi million pound pick. It just every week until a until a whiff needs to be discussed. The pong panel. The st- <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. better. Yeah, the, we are. St- the stench society. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, it's just a bit of wordplay. Is what I do. Um, friends, let's talk about predictions, shall we? You told us what's going to happen in terms of bets, Hutchie. What do you think is actually going to happen in terms of scoreline? I've put I've put more four or more goals in the game, haven't I? Which mm. I don't know if I necessarily think that's the case, but I I. Uh, it, it, it was a rollover. It's easier than getting your money back, isn't it? It's a, it's a hassle getting your money back sometimes. You don't Just... necessarily always bet on things you think are going to happen, though. No, you? no, you bet on good odds. You yeah. bet on good, um, good odds. Um, I think Ipswich will. I don't think Ipswich will concede twice. Actually, I, I think I think it's going to be a one-all draw. I think this is. I, I think it. I think it is going to be a good game. I think we're going to enjoy it. Um, but I think it's going to be a one-all draw. 
one all draw. That'd be a good result, though, to be fair. Wouldn't yeah, it? absolutely fine with that. Very solid. Stewie, you share the same optimism, or are you even more optimistic? Yeah, a good game that ends in a draw. That's kind of my 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 feeling going in into this one. Um, maybe even a nil nil, you know, but a good nil nil. You can have really exciting games, but just where two very good teams kind of can cancel each other out. Um, there is a, there is a slight fear that obviously sort of Burgess coming out, and then you're going to have a slightly uh, non-match fit Keo slash Edmondson come mm. come into the game um, to face the likes of Gregory and, and Smith up front. Could those, some of those cracks in defending set pieces show again? Poss- possibly. Um, so that that's a minor con- concern of mine going into this one. But um, no, overall, just excitement. Looking forward to to how it pans out. Genuinely, don't know which way it will go, but it will feel like um, you know a win would certainly feel. Uh, do you remember a few weeks ago, Andy said Ipswich win the Ipswich predicted that they'd win the next two games to nil, mm. and I said a guarantee top six. I think I'd go as far as saying if Ipswich won these next three, oh, then I'd guarantee top two. Okay, I thought you were going to say Saturday if they win Saturday. No, no, yeah. look, come on, I'm not, I'm not going to get too carried away. But if so they you're, win, you're already mascot of the Fleetwood game. <laughs> if they don't make the tops, what happens if they don't? You're going to have to up that. Let's and see they what happens. And they, yeah. No, no, let's not see what happens. You just, you've just guaranteed that if they win the next three, they're going to finish in the top two. So. Come up, what if they well, don't? Look, there's a there's a lot of things that need to happen first. I don't think they'll win the next three. But if, but they, if they do, if they do, Stu, if they, they naked do. mascot, <laughs> I'm uh, not sure that would be allowed do, on grounds of decency. Yeah, I'll do it in the Borat Mankini mascot. <laughs> there has to be an Ipswich Town version, blue and white. That would be that would be tremendous. Um, so you're Hutch, you're saying one one, Stu, you're saying nil nil or one one. You want to pick a pick a poison? Uh, Andy said one one, didn't he? So I'll yeah. say nil nil. Okay. Uh, in my look ahead to the games, I did say that this was going to be the first game Town lose two one. So I'm afraid I'm going to I'm going to have to stick with that. I hope I'm wrong. I usually am. Um, certainly a point at Sheffield Wednesday would be tremendous. But three points, boys. Wow. How have um, you done in the other ones? So how where, uh, well, where are you at for the rest of them? Should we should we should we take this prediction seriously? Because I feel I sure said, you you probably predicted a win last night, didn't you? I did. got that. I said 2-1 last night. I said 3-1 on Saturday. Obviously, we'll never oh, know. Yeah. We'll know eventually what, what happens there. And I said 1-1 at Accrington Stanley. And obviously, that was a that was a win. So, hit and miss, I would say, so far. Um, but we, we will see. Uh, boys, anything else to mention before we take our leave today? It's been a, it's been a relatively short podcast today. Um, but a lot of stuff covered and, and talked about. I just, I guess, actually, Sue, you mentioned there the um, the centre-back thing with Edmonton and Keogh. With neither of them being on the bench last night. Edmondson's not made the last two squads, which is remarkable given where he placed at the start of the, maybe at the start, even at the start of the season in terms of importance to the team. Um, and McKenna was asked about him on Monday and said, no, he's fine. He's just, he's, he's training well, but he's just part of a really good centre-back unit. He referred to there being four centre-backs um, and Genoa he sees more more as a right-back. Um, you got any thoughts around, around that? Edmondson not even making squads now? That, that wording straight away is quite interesting. We debate all the time now whether it's more of a three or a four at the back. That that to me says McKenna. McKenna sees it more as a, a back four now, which Andy's alluded to it looking more and more like that as the weeks have gone by. Um, 
Edmonton got a little little mention last night about how well he's been. You know, obviously it's a huge blow for for Cameron, but we've got two other good centre halves, and George has been training really well recently. So um, read it, read into that what you will. But he got, and we've got Richard Keogh as well. Was kind of the the extra tagline. So maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that would that to me would suggest that Edmonton is kind of ne- next in line to come into it. Someone who knows this kind of way of playing a little bit more than, than Keo so far, someone who's played games at the start of this season, so he's probably a little bit more up to speed. That That's my gut feeling. Hmm. The, in terms of that quote, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was essentially very fluid, saying that uh, sometimes we defend in a line of four, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's three. We can change depending on what's required, different teams, different needs, uh, and that's something that I'm pretty happy with. So in terms of actual pinning a a number on a formation or anything. You didn't get too specific about it. Um, Hutchie, anything else to mention? Um, one little thing, but just that Genoi is crucial to what you've just said, though, is it? that 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 flexibility doesn't work without without Genoi mm. Dynastian. That so that's, that's just why he's he's so important to that team. Um, I've got absolutely no idea if this is going to be the case or not, but I do half wonder whether we might see a, a debut at Hillsborough um, with the black kit. Make a first, mm. first appearance. They they don't need to. They have a red and black away shirt now, so they don't need to wear it. But they did, they did wear their limited edition black kit at Hillsborough last season. So it's got to got to get a game sometime. And uh, I don't know when the next the next opportunity would be. So I do half wonder whether we might we might see that. I thought we might see it last night. It would have been the the, the perfect game, but obviously not. Um, just just so we get those quotes, we're talking about centre-backs. I know people are interested in this. I've got I've got the quote up. <clears throat> he said, I've always thought of Genoa as closer to a right-back than a centre-back, to be honest. I've always thought of us having four centre-backs. Last year, we had three plus Elkham Baggett for most of the last few months of the season. At times last season, we defended more in a back four, sometimes in a back five, and again the same this year. There's certain games where we defend more in a line of four, others where we defend in a line of five. There's certain areas where we defended a line of four, sometimes in a line of five, sometimes in a in a line of three. We have that flexibility, and that's useful because it matches up well against different types of teams, different opponents, and we'll stay flexible on that in all the different positions. So there you go. That's cleared that up, hasn't it, boys? <laughs> Fle- flexible. Um, flexible, like water. Uh, before we go... <clears throat> Shall I just do that? You know, when we put, like, Ipswich Town brackets, and then normally you put this. the formation, I'll just, yeah, I'll just put... Yeah, I'll either do the shrug emoji or just write... Shall I just write water or yeah. something like that? <laughs> town, yeah. like, like water. These, these are the players. <laughs> the system is water. <laughs> um, before, we, before we take that leave today, boys... <laughs> oh, that's you could put, like... when You could just put... when You know, when teams come and just try and just not... just You just put brackets, bus... <laughs> when, when, when teams come apart the bus i like oh. this 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 could be a whole new way of reporting football boys we might stumble on something here can we can we adapt this going forward i'll change all the shapes we've got for for match previews and stuff to formations we can just put things like water and bus what else could we do <laughs> uh mess yeah <laughs> mess yeah. suicidal like irresponsible uh, <laughs> <laughs> Formation, oh. irresponsible. MK Dons at, at Ipswich Town. Um, yeah. Reckless. <laughs> Reckless ambition. Um, I like this. There's more There's more we can do with this. Uh, Who needs? We, you don't need stats. You don't need numbers. It's all a vibe. I've been a telling feeling. you. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. Um, I just wanted to, to 
have one more chat before we, we take our leave today, boys, because I know people like when we talk about TV. Um, Stu's just been interrupted. Ah, okay. Um, House of the Dragon, boys. Have we watched it? I'm hoping you have, Hutchie, because Stu's currently on mute. You have. What, yep. You like it? I like it more than I like Game of Thrones. Wow. In, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. I really struggle with kind of stuff like this that's set in that era, i.e. kind of Lord of the Rings, that kind of thing. There are too many blokes with long hair, and I really mm-hmm. struggle to distinguish the characters, but I like this because it's a slimmed-down cast. It's one yeah. thing I can focus on it, and it doesn't take me six episodes to work work out who everybody is, um, and I quite like that about this. It's helpful, isn't it, that all the key characters, the big ones, have got blonde hair. So you know straight away who's important and who's kind of fringe. Um, I, I thought they'd maybe try and disassociate themselves from Game of Thrones, but they've absolutely run with it, haven't they? Even down to having the same music on the start uh, and very similar kind of start titles. Um, Stewie, you're a massive Game of Thrones fan, so much so that your daughter is named after one of the characters. Um, what, what, have you, what have you made of House of the Dragon so far? Yeah, enjoying it. I mean, um, I want more variety. I'm the opposite to Andy. I want it to... I want to... I want it to go off to other lands. I want to see a bit of Winterfell and Dawn and and have a bit more diversity. But it's got it's got all that sort of uh, good dialogue and a nice pace to the, the to the plot at the moment. I like it. Mm. It's good. It absolutely will, I think, expand the universe as it were, because I, there's about to be quite a major jump forward. I think a few of the characters actually change actors or actresses. Um, it may even be the next show, in fact. Um, so we're about to see quite a, quite a shift. But I will say this, so far I've enjoyed it, and I've particularly enjoyed Matt Smith as Damon. How good is he as a kind of uh, a villain? Yeah, a villain you kind of like at the same time. Um, yeah, fa- fantastic casting. Really enjoying it so far. Let us know what you think of it. Um, and on a completely different tip, Cobra Kai. You ever watched that, boys? Absol- no. Absolute nonsense, but the kind of nonsense you don't feel too bad about enjoying. So if you are looking for chewing gum for the eyes, if you've watched House of Dragon, House of the Dragon, it's a bit serious, quite fighty. You want something that's just easy to watch half an hour? Go and watch Cobra Kai. Complete nonsense, but very enjoyable nonsense. A bit like this show, I suppose, at times. Um, friends, we've, we've now come to the end of the show. 53 minutes of podcast gold in the books, apart from an incredibly shambolic intro. I apologise for that. Um, Bibsy Town at Sheffield Wednesday this weekend. Anything else to mention, boys, before we take our leave? No other business. No other business. No other business. Right. All that leaves me then to remind you, please, to support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. Also, if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that'd be tremendous because that helps other people find us, um, lifts our visibility in the charts, and more people can come and join the KOA army. And also, please follow us across all social medias, Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All the boys will be at Sheffield Wednesday this weekend. It's an absolutely huge game. Um, so if you're going, enjoy. If you're not, follow it all with us. And we'll be back at some point next week. I'm not entirely sure when to break it down. Have a great weekend, whatever you do. We'll speak to you again.